Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor, here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you? I'm very good, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Did you have a a lovely weekend? It was nice, actually. Very good. Very good. I want to make sure you get your... uh... Your your things out before I completely take over with a uh, with another classic uh, bird Adam ramble to start to start a uh, a podcast as we do. Man, it was I so gotta hot get them out now. Gotta get them out now because guess what? Those preview those weekly preview shows are coming, and you know there's no, gonna be not much not much time for rambling because yeah, those shows are long enough. But we do it anyway. <laughs> we do it anyway. But those shows are fucking long enough. Oh yes, they are. Uh, it was so hot this weekend though. It was gorgeous here this weekend. It was actually very nice. It was 100 degrees. It's going to be Saturday like that Sunday in Utah. Yeah, it's going to be uh, mucho hotto Wednesday and Thursday. So, well, yeah, at least it's dry. You know, I actually I was debating like going out to go to the grocery store on su- like yesterday because uh, or on Sunday, depending on when the show comes out. Um, but I was debating whether or not to go to the grocery store because like, is this going to be like too hot for me to you know comfortably be outside but honestly it wasn't that bad because it's dry because it's a dry heat it's like 11% humidity or whatever it is 13% humidity so it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be but it was hot still it was it was not as humid which which was really really nice the hair the hair was like under control for 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 a change, which was uh, which was quite enjoyable, but then later this week, it's not supposed to be not supposed to be that nice. It's supposed to be really freaking hot and really freaking humid again. Yeah. So, what thing? What random thing do you want to take over the beginning of the show with this time, Adam? I had a life-altering event this weekend. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So is everybody in a good way or a bad way? Excellent. Oh, good. Excellent. So everyone knows that I am what some would say a cinephile. Yes. I, I love that. my films. I, lo- I yes. love my films. I am a move Oh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts. I know exactly what you're going to talk about. Cineholic, moveaholic. Whatever you want to call it. So Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Adam. You know, we've talked about this on, uh, on this program. That I have four films in my repertoire that I watch without fail. And I'm going to watch... All the time. I'm going to love them all the time. They're my top four favorite films of all time. Casablanca, Godfather Part 2, Godfather Part 1, and Gone with the Wind. Those are my four. Wait, Shawshank and Red and Revenge of the Sith? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shawshank. Yes, Shawshank is number one. Of course. I knew I was forgetting something in there. Thank you. You corrected me. Very good, Adam. Very good, Adam. You saved me from pure disaster there. Yes. Shawshank, Godfather Part 2, Casablanca, Godfather Part One, and then Gone with the Wind. So five. I knew it was forgetting one. 
Shawshank. How dare I? How, how could I ever forget Shawshank? Shawshank's amazing. God, for once, it's you forgetting that you like Shawshank. Besides me, aside from me forgetting that you like Shawshank. Honestly, I, I'm I'm flabbergasted that I forgot Shawshank and you remembered Shawshank. So, Adam, you, you get no no snarky comments from me this episode. Don't know how long I can keep that promise, but maybe for the next like ten minutes I can keep that promise. Oh, are we bringing back bird bucks? Listen, we might have to bring back the bird bucks. We might have to because I think you you would be getting at least five for for that save. But so you know, and everyone knows mm-hmm. that the top two are Shawshank, Godfather Part Two, and then after that it is Casablanca, Godfather Part One, and then Gone with the Wind. Adam. Oppenheimer topped Casablanca. Wow. It did. It was unbelievable. And I I will say this. I'm also a big history guy. I knew the story of Oppenheimer Mm -hmm. before I even saw the film. So that helped me. Because I kind of knew what was, you know, coming along the way. Christopher Nolan. Let, let, let me let me just say this. I'm a big fan of the films of Christopher Nolan. I will say. The, the guy is just a genius. He's so the, good. The, he's such a genius. And he's so detail-oriented. Like, I'll give you an example. This isn't, this isn't spoil anything. But in the film... There's a whole like meeting that's going on amongst Oppenheimer and the um and like all the generals when they're going over the plans for the making of the for the H bomb for the for the hydrogen bomb and they're going through like the list of possible cities that they're going to that they're going to drop the bombs on oh, and yes. yeah when I was in when I went to Japan specifically to Kyoto one of the things that i learned when i was there was that Kyoto was supposed to be the site where we were going to drop the bombs on Kyoto yep. but um truman i believe it was did not want to drop the bomb on Kyoto because that was such a city of such cultural importance and significance to the japanese people it's literally so, the cultural center of japan Yes. Is what I've heard. Yes, very much so. And Kyoto is awesome. For anybody who goes to Japan, I like Kyoto more than I like Tokyo. Honestly, Japan's definitely a bucket list trip for me. Japan it, was awesome. Japan, Japan was awesome. I would, I would go, go back there. there in a heartbeat. But yeah. in the film, it's recited word for word, not Kyoto. They go through. It's like, oh, we have 12 cities on the list. Oh, wait, sorry. 11. Uh, Kyoto is too significant to the Japanese people off the list. I was, I, I my jaw was on the floor. I was like, like the 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 attention to detail. Oh yeah, with this film was amazing. Well, it's like Kubrick esque almost. Very much so. The acting was tremendous. What a great cast! Also, that they got Killian, Killian Murphy was brilliant. And he he's awesome. For anybody who hasn't seen Peaky Blinders, you're missing out. But he was amazing. Um, Emily Blunt was good. That was like the big 
like if I had to be very nitpicky about something with the film, I thought the women cast was not that great. I thought they could have done maybe a little bit better. But that's me being very nitpicky. I thought Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh were were very good in, in, in their respective roles. Robert Downey Jr. was amazing. Matt Damon was pretty good, too. And he has a very significant role. But the one guy, and he does not feature much, but when he did, oh my god. Dr. Hill played by Remy Malik, also known as Freddie Mercury. Yeah, also uh, the protagonist of Mr. Robot. Yes. If you've ever seen that show. Yes, yes. Maybe the most underrated played character in the, enti- in the entire film. He doesn't speak much. He's not on camera much. But when he is, it changes the entire tide of the entire film. That's pretty cool. Amazing. And then I didn't know this. I don't I don't think I'm just not gonna spoil anything because you could just always look this up. It's Um, history. How could you spoil like if it's a true to history movie, it's hard to spoil. So uh President Truman was cast in the film. And so I'm looking, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out who it is. I'm like, I don't know know who this is. I don't recognize him. I've only seen like three pictures of Truman anyway, so I couldn't, I could barely pick him out of a lineup. It was Gary Oldman that was playing Harry Truman. Oh, classic. Christopher Nolan actor, Gary Oldman. I was like, this dude, the, the makeup that they put, the makeup and the cosmetics they put on Gary Oldman to fill him out to make him look like Harry Truman was yep. insane. Um, and important to you, there was a cameo in this film. I know who I know by who, maybe, if we're thinking of the same person. Sean Avery. Oh, oh, I saw that. Sean Avery was in it for about ten seconds. Why? Who did who did he play? Like a random person? So he was he was um in the in the team in Los Alamos that before they the night that they were testing the uh the hydrogen bomb. He was a part of the team that was like getting the H bomb ready to go. I was thinking that you were going to talk about like how great Albert Einstein was or something in the movie. Well, I didn't know if that was giving anything away. I wasn't going to talk about Einstein. Einstein and Teller. Teller was also cast in it. Edward Teller. Mm -hmm. Uh, Amazing. The the (laughs) film, the film. It's it's a new rank now. Shawshank, Godfather Part 2, and then Oppenheimer. And the audio. Wow. I know some people complained about the audio, but I also didn't see it in IMAX. So maybe it was it was like an IMAX thing, but I just went to the the like to not IMAX. The audio for me was fine. Like there were some people that were complaining about it. And listen, if there's anyone if there's anyone that's gonna complain about audio, it's this guy. It's us, basically. It's, exactly. it's, our, it's our whole thing. Exactly. The audio for me was not that bad, but th- but then again, that was also not an IMAX. So well, the audio for one of the for that kind of movie, the audio has to be like stellar. 
there were some there were some people who who were saying that, that at times the the music was kind of playing over the vocals a little bit. Uh, but then again, you know, they could have seen it in IMAX, and yeah. I can't comment on the IMAX experience because I did not see it in IMAX. But I will probably go and see it again when I'm in um, when I'm in LA in a couple weeks, and I'll have to report if I do if I do see it in IMAX. All right. You know, it's funny because I didn't really know. I wasn't familiar as much with Killian Murphy's uh, work. But when I was like, oh, he was Scarecrow in Batman yep. Begins. Yep. I was like, that's and that was a great performance yes. you know, by him. And I mean, those are my favorite Nolan films are the Batman, the the Dark Knight trilogy. Yes. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, the Dark Knight is I mean, I've talked about this. That the Dark Knight is top ten of top ten my favorite my favorite movies of all time. Um, oh, it's up there for me. I can't. I don't know if I can give you my top ten. Maybe not in order. I don't know. What films? Yeah, do you want me to? That's gonna take forever. You gotta write. The, you gotta write those down. You gotta have a think about it. You can't think about that on the fly. I guess so. That's a disservice. Well, it just depends on like. I don't know. Birdman was really good. She doesn't want a space odyssey. She doesn't want a space odyssey. Different strokes for different folks. I know people who really love it. I know people who just despise it. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I liked it. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shit on it. But is it my kind of film? No. Um, honestly, I mean, as crazy as it was, I really did like The Wolf of Wall Street. Sure. Sure. Um. That was a fun Christmas movie. I mean, hell, you could you could probably have if you really, if you really dig deep, and you go into like the Christopher Nolan catalog, you could probably have with the Departed. six six or seven Christopher Nolan films that you could talk talk about and say, yeah, that's like a top 15, 20, 25 film ever, depending on how objective you are with Oppenheimer. With Dunkirk, which was amazing, um, yep. Interstellar, which I know a lot, a lot of people love, a lot of people hate. I liked Interstellar a lot. That sounds like you know. I was people give Inception a lot of shit, but oh, Inception, Inception, Inception was brilliant. I know. I feel like that movie is really overhated. It is. Opinion. It's so incredibly overhated. Inception, Inception just makes you actually sit there, watch it, and think like. Oh wow! You can't go on your phone during a film. You actually have to sit there and watch it. Oh, oh my God! Who thought of such a thing? Why would you make me do that, Christopher Nolan? Like, come on, put your fu- put your fucking phone away. That's another thing. There's this schmuck when Oppenheimer's going on. He's on his fucking phone. Like, I wanted to take his phone. I wanted to fucking chuck it. Moron. Anyway, and then you could put all the dark the, the Dark Knight movies in there. You could put yep. Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight. And Batman Begins, even though I think Batman Begins is probably the least weaker, my least favorite of the three. But I love, I, I love them all. But I, I think if I had to rank them, it's definitely Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and then Batman Begins. Actually, um, shout out to Hofstra. But we did you you never took did you ever take uh, sound design for film? No. Great, great class. We got to play around and do Foley and ADR, and it was awesome. But it was 
when I took it, it was the year that Dunkirk, Dunkirk uh, won best audio uh, design at the Oscars. Oh, and we played the uh, the dogfighting scene, like the airplane scene. Oh, it's a great scene. And I was like, this movie is awesome. Yeah. And like just the audio. I'm like, this is incredible how they were able to do this. And then also another Christopher Nolan film that a lot of people don't know is Tenet. Tenet is also really good. Yeah, when did that when did that movie come out? Like 2020? Uh 2020. Yeah, that was his most that was his most recent before Oppenheimer. Yeah, it was a weird time. He he kind of does things in like two or three year increments. Well, I mean it takes time to make a movie. Yeah, so stay tuned. Stay tuned for 2026 for the next Christopher Nolan mega release. Yep. Hey, it's always an event. It is. Yes, it is. All right. Well, anyway, I think we've gone we've gone on and talked about movies long enough. Maybe as the summer is winding down, we can do a basement talk podcast about just our favorite movies of all time. Just because like a, a movie Mount Rushmore, so to speak. I feel like we've already done that, but okay. Have we done that? I feel like we have. Sounds like something we would do because, again, I'm a cinephile. I love my films. Yep. I as also a, love As films. a matter of fact, I'm probably, because hmm, I have Love Island tonight, as we talked about before it came on air. Adam Adam was able to properly identify what trashy reality TV show I'm watching tonight. After like and, five guesses. It, well, you, you got it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. He was able to guess that I'm watching Love Island tonight. I think there's two films that I'm thinking about watching tonight. I'm thinking about watching either A Clockwork Orange or Jaws. Why Jaws? I have no idea. Me neither. But it's like, it's one of those films that you see it once, but doesn't really have a lot of rewatch value until you feel like, oh shit, you see Jaws. And it's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. Sure. Yeah. A Clockwork Orange, like, I've only watched a couple scenes from it, and it gives me so night- it gives me nightmares. Oh, that movie is so horrifying. Good. Oh, it's terrifying. No, it 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 is a terrifying film, but it is so good. Yeah, really, really, really good. So I I think I think I'm gonna watch uh, Jaws. That's fun. I think I think we'll see. We'll see. Terrifying I'm probably I'm probably about three hours away from doing that. Two and a half. So. We get, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what uh, what the body clock is feeling. Because I, I could also just put on something, you know, mindless like uh, like uh, uh, I don't I don't I don't fucking know. Give me give me a mindless movie. Get smart. Have you ever seen Get Smart? Oh, great, great. Film. I love that movie. It's awesome. It's 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 like not even like a top seventy five film for me if I had to like rank them out. But Get Smart is it, it's like a, it's a good it's a good sit back watch. Have a good laugh, good time. Steve Carell's hilarious, and, and, and Anne Hathaway is great to look at. You know, also a great film for anybody who hasn't seen it. Airplane, Airplane, amazing. Love Airplane. Airplane is fucking great, and it's shocking to me how many of the youngins nowadays have not seen Airplane. It's a b- borderline. It's it's disgraceful. It's such a funny movie. It's so it's like- funny, and I watched that when I was maybe eleven. And I got zero of the nuances then. And then you watch it when you're older, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was actually Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> so uh, have you ever seen a grown man naked? 
Have you ever been to a Turkish prison? I love that. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Nielsen is hilarious. Excuse me. I speak Jav. Oh, God. <laughs> Not some going there. Don't I touched well. it. Some, some jokes don't age well. Um, oh, it's, it's oh, so funny. It's so funny. One of my, you know what one of my favorite jokes of that movie is? Uh, the, the running on instruments joke. And it oh, comes yes. to, the, to the crew. And Genius. they're playing in a band. <laughs> it's Genius. so funny. All right. I'll watch an airplane now. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Here we go. You should. Yep. We changed it up. I said two and a half hours to make up my mind. Yeah. It took about all three minutes. Oh, airplane! Airplane's great. Airplane's awesome. Um. Okay. So let's go into the AFC South. So and can I actually say talk- something before we go into the AFC South? And it's, it's not. It's not a side tangent. It's it's about the AFC South. I promise. Okay. I feel like this is a division that we've actually talked a lot about. Like. We were talking about what what we were doing. We were thinking about, you know, whether we were to do AFC South or NFC South first. NFC South, I feel like we've talked next to zero about. The AFC South, I feel like we've talked a ton about. Yeah, part of it's like the Titans and the Jaguars. The Jaguars, really, honestly, is who we've talked about the most. That's true. Because I I think there's like a quota a minimum for, you know, having to talk about Calvin Ridley and the disdain for Calvin Ridley. And what's and, funny, and Christian what's funny, Kirk. what's funny too, is there was a, uh, there's an article coming out of fantasy pros later this week about uh, breakout players. And one of the, uh, whatchamacallits, uh, what, the hell am I talk- what the hell am I talking about? Um, one of the players. Yes. Thank you. I was just, Completely, I said writers, completely players, somewhere else. Sure. I was I was reading something as I was trying to just get words out. Didn't work out too well. Um, but one of the players or one of the topics for this was uh which player do you think is gonna outperform ADP? And mm-hmm. immediately I was like Christian Kirk. And I was trying to go talk about Christian Kirk. I was typing something up, I was feeling fucking great about it. And then I was like, oh, this is like an anti-Calvin Ridley post. I can't kind of do this. So I uh, I just decided to, uh, to delete it and go and talk about something else. All right. Well, very inside baseball. Or I guess inside football. In this, in this case. Yes. But yeah, we really haven't talked about Texans, which is hilarious because they just they have a rookie quarterback and I feel like we always talk about rookie quarterbacks, but the Texans have just been like, eh. And the Colts, we've only talked about them in the context of Anthony Richardson. So we've talked about half of this division at length. And then the other half we've completely ignored. Yeah. So let's start off with those Houston Texans and uh, starting off with C.J. Stroud, their rookie quarterback out of Ohio State. What are your expectations? I mean, not much. You can't draft him in a uh, in a 12-team league. If you want to draft him for upside, sure, he's my QB 26 at the moment. 
they're gonna be a lot of a lot of growing pains. And I think he's in a much different situation than say Bryce Young is in in Carolina or Anthony Richardson is in Indianapolis, who and Anthony Richardson we'll get to in a minute. Uh Bryce Young will be talking about later this week, where there are just a lack of weapons with with the Texans. And I think, you know, one of the one of the hopefuls was that maybe CJ Stroud gets there this year. And then maybe you link up C.J. Stroud with his number one from Ohio State, Marvin Harrison, next year. And then you have C.J. Stroud with Marvin Harrison, much akin to, you know, maybe Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase, obviously on a much lesser scale because C.J. Stroud is not Joe Burrow. But I think Marvin Harrison is Jamar Chase, if not better. Like Marvin Harrison. And that would be hilarious for Colts fans, being like Marvin Harrison playing for the Texans. Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison is – you talk about – you know, we talk about all the time – is there an Adrian Peterson level of running back to come out? Marvin Harrison is the Randy Moss of receivers to come out. Like he is the white whale of receivers that we've seen in a very long time. Like he's or I guess he's like going Marvin Harrison. To, uh, he could be better than his father. As crazy okay. as that sounds. That is pretty crazy because his father is a good. Hall of Famer. Marvin Harrison Jr. is that good. He's he, he's nuts, but we'll talk about Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. CJ Stroud, the, the lack of weapons definitely hurt him with the Texans, and we'll talk about those, those weapons in a minute. I just don't have the confidence, really, that CJ Stroud is going to be a guy that's going to be an immediate contributor this year. If there's one thing that does help him is that he does have the athleticism outside of the pocket to make plays with his legs, so that could give him a nice fantasy floor. But outside of that, I don't really see the ceiling because I just don't think the Texans are going to be very good. And, you know, we'll talk about the weapons in a second. And, the, you know, they're, it's just very underwhelming. If I'm and being the honest. lack thereof. Yeah, exactly. Lack thereof. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm not crazy about C.J. Stroud. I mean, Texans, they're still, honestly, they're still a couple years away. This mm-hmm. is like the classic rookie quarterback situation where he's going into like a really shitty situation. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's going to take rebuild. time. It's, it's going to take time for sure. And I think the question is whether or not Nick Casario is going to see out that rebuild GM for, for the Texans. I mean, we know Domingo Ryan's is, I mean, they yes, gave exactly. him, a, they gave him a six year contract for Christ's sake. And he's a franchise. He just legend. Yeah, exactly. But um, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's just okay, below average. There's gonna be growing pains. There's gonna be growing pains because because of the team being that bad. But he's he's a dynasty pick and deep fourteen team league, and definitely in superflex, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be uh, claimed and picked as a third quarterback. So going into this running back situation, it's. I'm not crazy about it because the Texans are bad. Damian Pierce is good. Um, and, you know, he's good, but now he has better competition in Devin Singletary. And it might be more of a committee. And I just don't think, and also the Texans are going to be throwing a lot. And if CJ Stroud is going to be running all over the field, you know, how many touches are realistically going to be going to Damian Pierce is the question. I, I disagree. I, I, I think my, my biggest issue with, da- with Damian Pierce is he was just okay 
a year ago. And I understand it, it's a different coaching staff, uh, different players. Now they have a quarterback there and they may emphasize running the ball uh, more because they have that younger quarterback and they want to make sure that they're not putting too much on that young quarterback's shoulders. I want to see Davion Pierce grow and improve on what he did last year. And last year he wasn't, he wasn't as bad as maybe, you know, game by games would, would, would suggest averaged over four yards a carry had a shade under a thousand yards. The four touchdowns stinks, but he was it's on this last year's Texans. Nobody scored for last year's Texans. So that's that's the, the that's me defending Damian Pierce. Now comparing Damian Pierce to Devin Singletary in terms of concrete projections and numbers. When looking at Pierce and looking at Singletary, I have them projected on basically a two to one basis. In terms of touches, I have two two touches going to Pierce to every one touch going to to Devin Singletary. Davion Pierce is over 300 touches. Devin Singletary is a shade over 150. Now, that could all change because Miko Ryan's was not here when Davion Pierce was drafted. Miko Ryan's did sign Devin Singletary. So, what that means for the long term? I'm not sure. It's scary enough when you have this Texans team that are kind of just meh. And to be honest, you're not winning anything with anybody on the Houston Texans. So why even go and and try and be a part of this absolutely miserable, terrible, awful situation? Damian Pierce is going at the start of the fourth round in in, in twelve team leagues. It's fine. It, it's not ideal uh, for where I would probably want to draft him. Like if I just look at my uh, overalls very quickly, I have Pierce at, all right, so he's he's pretty close to that. I have him at 52nd overall. So he's in that range, but it's just very, very boring. And he's not a guy that I'm going to be going out of my way to target for the reason that I just said of, you're not really winning anything with someone who's on the Houston Texans. Like yeah. you're not going to feel good going into a fantasy championship of, Oh my God, I have Damian Pierce. He might be the savior. I yeah, I just well, don't think that that's going to happen. Now, does he have potential breakout appeal, thousand yard upside, six, seven touchdowns? Sure. He absolutely does. But just looking at the guys that are, you know, in, in his range, I would much rather take the chance at someone like DeAndre Swift, Isaiah Pacheco, David Montgomery, even Khalil Herbert. Those guys have more upside, I think, than Damian Pierce does. Yeah, Damian Pierce, very streaky player last year if you look at his game by games. And if you had him in the playoffs, you didn't have him in the playoffs for long because I don't know if he was hurt at the end of last year. He was hurt at the end of last year. So he he had... Uh, against Miami and Washington, I guess in order, Washington and Miami, he had a combined 16 yards mm-hmm. on 15 carries. Yep, I remember that. Uh, yeah, I started. Uh, I started against Washington. I did not start him against Miami. So it was not great. I mean, he was solid in the middle part of last year. There was that stretch where he had 
he got three of his touch three of his four touchdowns in back to back games in back to back to back games against Chicago, the Chargers, and Jacksonville. Two of the three worst run defenses in the league last year with the Chargers and the Bears. And then he got his last touchdown in a meaningless game against Dallas. In Dallas. That's right. I remember that. I remember that. I saw him as a flex that day. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and, that was, and, and he also fumbled in that game, too. I, I do remember that. Yes, he did lose a fumble. He yep. fumbled only four fumbles, two, two lost fumbles. But... Um, yeah, it's just last year he kind of ran out of steam and he's inconsistent and kind of not to like just completely regurgitate what you just said. I'm also not confident in Damian Pierce this year. The one thing he has to do if he's going to improve his fantasy stock is he has to be on the field for third down. Lovey Smith had the tendency last year to pull him on third down and they were bringing in everybody but. Uh, Damian Pierce on third down. It would be Dario Gumawale. It would be Rex Burkhead. It would be everybody but. If Damian Pierce is going to stand a chance, he has to improve as a pass blocker and he has to be on the field for third down. If he can be on the field for third down more often and get potentially more in the in the receptions department, then the floor will be much safer and be much more of an appealing play for fantasy. But if he is the same thing as he was last year, first, second down, he's on the field and third down, they're pulling him for Devin Singletary or whomever, then that's a big, big, big problem. That's a huge part of his appeal. And for any any running back's appeal, really, you want your running back on the field for third down because they're more likely to catch passes in that in, in that regard. You take you take him off the field and you take that potential third down production away, that does hurt Damian Pierce in the long run and definitely hurts his fantasy stock. Absolutely. And his PPR numbers were not great uh, no, last no, year. No, they were terrible. Because he wasn't he wasn't yeah. on the field enough for third down and he didn't see he didn't see enough checkdowns. Yeah, exactly. And really he just needs to be more consistent in terms of touches. And that really is a performance thing. He has to kind of get I feel like it was either last show or two shows ago where we talked about uh some running back getting separation from his competition. And um I think that that's something that Damian Pierce needs to do to make him a viable fantasy option. I think I do think he has it, but Devin Singletary being there is definitely concerning. Because if he yeah, starts out, even if last year, starts out slow. I think Domingo Ryan's going to be quick to give him the hook. And even last Devin year, Singletary more often and make it a more even split. I would say. I mean, I'm saying right now that probably probably the split. You're probably talking to start the year is probably 65-35, which is which is pretty good. But I could very easily see that becoming 60-40, 55-45 very quickly if Damian Pierce does not get off to a good start to the year. And that is when that is super, super concerning for a guy you're spending a fourth-round pick on in, in, in 12-team leagues. Yeah. I mean, he had five games last year where he had more than 20 carries. That also goes to speak of how bad of how bad the Texans were. Right. So if you, I, I bet and this is not just not having the the scores in front of me before we move on to the to the receivers. I would make a bet that out of those games where he had over twenty carries, I would make a bet those are probably close enough games where they lost by maybe seven to ten points. Well, one of those was a win. One of one of those was their only win of the season. There you go. He had 
He had 26 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown against Jacksonville. There you go. And then he had 100 yards against the Chargers, and they lost by how much? 10. Okay, there you go. But he only uh, had 14 they, carries. They almost beat, that they one, almost on, beat Dallas. In that game. They almost beat Dallas, and I bet he had over 20 there as well. He did. Okay, that's that's three right there. And then what are the other two? No, the Chargers game, he had 14 carries. Oh, okay. All right, then. 20, then... 20 overall touches, I guess. Okay. Because he had six catches. All right, sure. Um, So the other games, lost by three to Chicago. Okay. Lost by 12 to the Eagles. Oh, that's, that was on Thursday night. Okay. And then lost by 18 to the Raiders. Oh, wow. And he still got, he still got the 20, 20 carries in that game. Hmm, okay. 20 carries, 92 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah, okay. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, that game against the Chargers also where he had only 14 carries. He had a, uh, I believe that was a 75-yard touchdown. So. Sounds about right. Yeah. I, Chargers did that to a lot of people last year. Or let that happen to them a lot last year. Yeah. Would really be what that is. But um, yeah, just Damian Pierce. Not I'm not crazy about it. A lot of things he's need fi- to go he, right. He's fine. He's fine depending on the price. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a cop out when you say it like that. Because really you could say that about, but any, it's, about it, any player. But it's the truth. But it, it's it's a hundred percent the truth. Like if you're getting him, if you're getting a number one running back in the in the middle of round five, I I don't I don't care who you are. I'm taking that. You're you're absolutely taking that. There is no player. This is a this is a discussion that we have every single year. There is not a player that should ever be off limits to you if the price is right. Ever. Even Michael Thomas? Yeah, yes. Yes. If Michael Thomas falls in your draft this year to the 16th round, you take Michael Thomas in the 16th round. Like it's 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 that simple. It's like Calvin Ridley. I did I did that uh that salary cap draft last week, two weeks ago. It came out last week. I, I did it the week before. I got Calvin Ridley for $9. I'm not a Calvin Ridley guy, but I got Calvin Ridley for $9. That is a steal. I mean, it works. I'm very happy with that. And if I'm wrong about Calvin Ridley, guess what? I reap the rewards from being wrong about Calvin Ridley, and I get it at cost, which is, mwah, voila. All right. Well, I don't, yeah, I kind of, I agree because really, it's logic at that point. You can't just like debate logic, unless you're Adam. Adam just has guys he will, he will not take no matter what. Well, there are a couple, but like, it's whatever at this point. Ramondre Stevens is going to be available in the sixteenth round, and Adam won't take him. Because fuck the Pats. Hey, listen, Tom Brady's retired. That list is. Has uh, gone down by one. Listen, if Jalen Hurts was available in the 16th round, fly Eagles fly. Hey, listen, it makes it easier this year because the Patriots suck. But I mean, I had Tyree Kill. 
I hate the Dolphins just as much as I hate the Patriots. Fair. Fair. By the way, speaking of the AFC East, did you see those amazing, immaculate, should be regular uniforms, but they're not, Jets throwbacks? Nice. Yeah, they're nice. They're fun. Speaking of throwbacks. Can't wait, see, can't wait to see them losing it. Who do they play? They play Buffalo. I know that. And who do they play in week four? Kansas City. Oh, that's all we do. <laughs> Not going to see a win in those unis. I don't know. We will see. Speaking of throwbacks, I didn't I didn't mean to uh, segue or make the segue this way, but it worked out. And we're going to talk about the other team that played in Houston for a long time, even though that's a debate for another time. It's a debate for another time. Uh, the Tennessee Titans. We didn't talk about the receivers for the Texans. Do we have to? Yes. Oh. oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Someone for this Texans receiving core is going to come out. Somebody. Whether it's is it John Xavier Mechie? Hutchinson, whether it's Tank Dell, whether it's uh, John Mechie, whether it's Nico Collins. Nico Collins could be had at, at, at really good price right now. John Mechie could be had at even be- a better price. And we saw John Mechie and how good he was at the University of Alabama. If you believe in the Alabama pipeline for receivers, John Mechie would be your guy to go and target. He basically is free right now. I do too, but like I hope he's just healthy this year. He's healthy. Yeah. He's healthy. He's healthy. And again, it, it all comes down to... If it doesn't work and they're not good, you cut them. You cut them. It's that simple. He's free. It's not going to make a difference. No, I get it. Unless, of, unless of course, you're you're in a dynasty league and you, and you have John Mechie, then that becomes kind of a problem. But if you're in a redraft and you take John Mechie as a flyer and it doesn't work out and there's someone that pops off on your waiver wire and you're like, oh, my God, I need to go get that guy. Guess what? You cut John Mechie. It's not a problem. You're good. But if John Mechie pops off in the first two weeks, you have a very valuable valuable trade chip, or you have a guy that could immediately pop into your lineup and start, and you drafted him in the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, whatever round. It all makes sense. Robert Woods, stay away. Stay away, stay away, stay away. That's done. That's done. I didn't mention Robert Woods for a reason. Do not do that. Dalton Schultz. Adam, Hello, who is a young quarterback's for... best friend? Uh, Dalton Schultz. His tight end. While Dalton Schultz is not statistically very impressive, he's not going to blow anybody away with his athleticism. He's going to do something very, very, very simple. He's going to get open for his quarterback. And his quarterback is a young quarterback that is going to rely on his tight end. Beagle Ryans, he comes from a system that is predicated on having a very good tight end at their disposal in San Francisco with George Kittle. He's not an offensive guy, I am aware. But you are a sponge. Whether you're an offensive guy or a defensive guy, you know both sides of the ball and you know how things work. You act as a sponge, especially when you then you transition to becoming head coach. I would imagine that... D'Amico Ryans is probably predicating that the tight end be somewhat significant in, in, in his offense. Am I saying Dalton Schultz is going to be a top 
seven or eight tight end? He could be. He could be for sure. Is he going to be safe week to week? Probably not. But is he someone that's worth having on your bench as a second tight end? And maybe you pair him with like a David and Joker or something like that. And you just, you know, double dip on tight end in that, you know, nine to 13 tight end range. Sure. It's worth it. I don't see, I don't see a, a big problem with that. Dalton Schultz is not going to be the same guy that he was in Dallas, but can he emerge and potentially be the number one guy for CJ Stroud? Yes, it's absolutely possible. So Dalton Schultz, no doubt he's got fantasy value. Well, he is the inside track. And if there's any reason that CJ Stroud could develop into a serviceable quarterback in his rookie year, it's Dalton Schultz. I think if we see CJ Stroud develop into a serviceable quarterback, it is because one of those receivers breaks out, not because of Dalton Schultz. I mean, Dalton Schultz is a complimentary piece, but what gets them to the next level is one of those receivers breaking out and one of those receivers playing a very important role, especially downfield. Because Dalton Schultz is not a guy that can be running downfield. That just is not happening. So get one of those receivers that could be running downfield. One of those receivers can make downfield plays. Then you're in the money if you're the Houston Texans. All right. Now can we move on to the Titans? Yes. Yes. So the uh, the Titans who stole the text, whatever. Never mind. We're not talking about that. That was going to be my other my other idea for a tangent is a whole debate on whether a team's history should stay in the city that they left when they relo- that they left when they relocate. A la the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Oilers, or the Winnipeg Jets and the Winnipeg Jets, the Arizona Coyotes, Winnipeg Jets, or the Atlanta Thrashers, Winnipeg Jets. True. So their throwbacks look great, but it's kind of a slap in the face, kind of like the Carolina Hurricanes, Harford Whalers throwbacks, and the Colorado Avalanches, Quebec Nordiques reverse retros, kind of twisting the knife a little bit with those. A little bit. Rubbing it in. A little bit. Anyway, talking about football. So how long do you think it's going to take before we see Will Levis? I set the number at nine and a half games. I think they're going to let Ryan Tannehill be the guy. Because if you look at, if you look at this division... The division is extremely winnable for the Tennessee for the Tennessee Titans. And yes, the Jaguars are really good. They're going to be really good. But you also have the Colts and you have the Texans that are in this division. Those should be four wins right there. And we know all about, all about the famed uh, interdivisional rivalry that exists between the Jaguars and the Colts and how those games are always funky. The Titans quietly get their business done. And while I'm not saying the Titans are going to be very good, Mike Vrabel is an unbelievable head coach. And I would take him to be head coach of the Dallas Cowboys in a fucking heartbeat. The guy's great. The guy is an unreal head coach. Probably the best head coach to come from the Bill Belichick pipeline, which is historically brutal. Yeah, but that's Mike, not saying a lot. But Mike Vrabel probably is the best of the bunch. Yeah, to beat up Bill O'Brien. I mean, talk about Bill O'Brien, the... Romeo Cronell, um, Eric Mangini. Oh. Well, oh, yeah. Well, Bill O'Brien's probably like the second best. 
I, I would have to coaching. Dig, I would have to dig deep into the into the Belichick um carousel to coaching tree. Yeah, to to exactly name. I know there's guys that I'm definitely definitely forgetting. Um, Josh but, McDaniels. Uh, yeah, Josh McDaniel. Yeah, good. It was point. terrible. Yep, terrible. Very bad. Very 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 bad. So yeah, not a so the bar is on the floor for Bill Belichick uh, coaching disciples. But the Titans are going to run the ball. They're going to unapologetically run the ball. They're going to give it to that big, big, big man in Derrick Henry. And Ryan Tannehill is going to be very boring. He's in the same category as CJ Stroud for me. Like QB 25, one spot above CJ Stroud. So he's going to hand the ball off a ton. They'll throw when they need to. And it's going to be very unexciting. Flow is uh, the, the flow. Flow. The floor is very well, low. The ceiling is even lower. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think. Oh, oh. this is such a. Oh, this oh. is such a me thing. Nope, I'm not even, I'm catching it now. I'm not even going to say gonna, it. I was going to absolutely rip you to pieces. <laughs> I was get. I was. I was revved up and ready to go. I, I'm catching it now. I. I just no. That's fine. Ryan Tannehill's. He's okay. He's not. Boring. He's so boring. Well, he's yeah, not even boring. He's just like. I would much rather take the chance on a Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, or a CJ Stroud. And you, and also, you know, those guys aren't getting benched. Well, yeah, I'd rather have, you know, boring as Kirk Cousins because he's good. No, and Kirk like, Cousins you know is not boring. Good. Kirk Cousins is not boring. Kirk Cousins is very good. No, Kirk I know Cousins he is, is good. Great for fantasy. Kirk Cousins gets drafted so late every year, and people are then I know. shocked when he finishes top six or top seven. I know because he's amazing. I love Kirk Cousins. Ryan Tannehill is not that, and Kirk Cousins also in an offense that's predicated on throwing the football. I'm Ryan aware. Tannehill is not. Hold on, hold on. Ryan Tannehill is boring. Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill are boring because it's the same thing. There's no like fluctuation. Ryan Tannehill is just like mediocre. Her cousins is always good. And it's like the same level of good every year. Sure. I mean, it's not, bo- well, it's not boring when you're winning with Kirk cousins, but it's boring when you're, when you're drafting Ryan Tannehill and you're like, or picking up Ryan Tannehill. You're like, well, I guess I'm, I'm in for, for like 13 to 15 points this week and nothing more. I would be fine with starting Ryan Tannehill against the Colts and the Texans. Those are matchups where if you said to me, if you have buy problems and you need someone to start against the Colts and the Texans, or you have Ryan Tannehill playing against them and you say, hmm, could I start Ryan Tannehill against them? Sure. Sure. You definitely can. He'll he'll definitely post top 15, top 12 weeks somewhere along the way. I'm sure of that. But it's not going to be every week. And he cannot be a guy that you are going to just live and die by. Like if you're, I'm not even going to say 12 team because that's you. If you have Ryan Tannehill as your starting quarterback in a 12 team league, what are you doing? But say in a super flex, if you're relying on Ryan Tannehill to be your QB two in a super flex, thank you for your donation. You're you're, yeah. you're not winning that league. I'm sorry. You're you you're just not. No, it's really really it's the. You're just hoping for something that has a small chance of happening, which is Ryan Tannehill giving you a good week. Well, he can give you a good week against the Colts and the Texans. That's worthwhile to start. If you Ryan Ryan Tannehill is your QB three in Superflex, no problem. 
No problem. Cool. In case something happens to your other two quarterbacks, you have a safe enough guy. Fine. But outside of that, I if you if I am starting Ryan Tannehill willingly every single week and there's no injuries on my team, I did something very wrong. Well, it sounds like that year that you uh, started Marcus Mariota for their for the entire season. Who started Marcus Mariota for the entire season? I've never started Marcus Mariota in fantasy in my life. Didn't you? No. Twenty sixteen. No. No. Nope. Are you thinking of somebody else? I might be. No, no, no. I've caved on Jared Goff. Jared Goff is all right. Marcus Mariota. No. That's one. That is one I am correct on. I'm pretty sure there was uh, maybe it was somebody else. I don't know. Andy Dalton, same thing. Terrible. Yeah, I just don't know. I'm avoiding Ryan Tannehill this year. That wasn't what you were going to say about five minutes ago. No, it wasn't. But, you know, I came to my senses. I came back down to earth. And I was like, you know what? Thank God. That's a dumb thing that you were about to say. Maybe don't say that. Thank God. So, uh, from one guy that we know is going to be pretty bad to one guy that we know is going to be pretty good. Derrick Henry. Pretty good as an understatement because he's, he's really awesome. good. He's awesome. He has the fourth easiest schedule for running backs. If you can get him in round two, congratulations. Like That's I did that one time. Awesome. Well, that was, that was also at a mock. Yeah, I know, Mocks but still. Box don't I, count. I know. Yeah, I know, but still. You can get him in a draft in round two. You're loving life. Who the You're hell is life? letting Derrick Henry fall to round two? I mean, you just got you just have to look at the old universe and just look at look at who's in the range. We'll just say half P, half PPR. Because full full, I think, is a bit. Is a bit much because we all know the downside that happens with uh with the potential catch situation. But these are the guys that I have above Derrick Henry and, and half PPR. I have them at 12th overall. That's end of round one and 12 teams, start of round two in, in tenting. Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, B. John Robinson, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey. Those are all the guys you have above him. Yes. I think I'd have him above Taylor. That's probably the only one. I would not because the Titans offensive line is terrible. I would but roll with the Colts offensive line. I would roll with the Colts with the Colts offensive line, but sure, like I I could see the argument. Yeah, well, and also Derrick Henry, how many how many years, you know, fill the quota, take a shot, whatever. Uh, how many years are we going to talk about Derrick Henry? Will this be the year that Derrick Henry falls off a cliff? And, and that's that's the problem that a lot of people that I've talked to, um, from the industry and then not from the industry, have said to me, is while the price for Derrick Henry is very appealing. They don't want to be on Derrick Henry the year he breaks down. He's 29. 
you look at the numbers and the amount of carries that he has had, he has logged in his career grand total of 1,750 carries. All in 1,777 touches in six six seasons. Six? Seven. Sorry, six. seven seasons. Oh. Yeah, well, part of that, like, the first, like, three were split with him and DeMarco Murray. Sure. Sure. I swear but to then, God, it's not, it almost sounds like you, we just inserted the conversation that we had like three years ago about Derrick Henry. We didn't, and we're not actually saying this because this sounds exactly like what I said in the beginning of like 2020, I think. We're like, man, is this going to be the year? Because it's like, uh, it is unsustainable after a certain amount of time. It is. It is. And the wheels are going to fall off eventually. But the plus side for Derrick Henry is pending health. You know he's going to get over 300 carries. You know he's going to be over 14, 1,500 yards. And if he does what he's done for the last five years, he's going to be a double-digit touchdown guy regardless. Derrick Henry is – if you could say to me that Derrick Henry is going to play 16 games for the Tennessee Titans – this guy is a first round locked and loaded pick. But the problem is and what the, what the ADP is reflecting is that people, the public more so than the industry, the industry is a little bit higher on him than the public is, but the public don't want to be on Derrick Henry if the breakdown happens. And I completely understand it. No, yeah, completely it's reasonable. I completely understand it. I would hate to have picked Derrick Henry in the in the first or second round and have been left holding the bag, so to speak. But but if Derrick Henry pays off for you, guess what? You're, you're safe. You're you're loving life. You got Derrick yeah. Henry in round two. And when Derrick Henry is good, I mean Adam and I would know from when we had him in the in the in the colon. When Honestly, Derrick no, Henry is because good because he was oh injured for most God. of the season. Life is great. He's a fun, he's so but he's so much fun to have. He's so yeah. much fun because you just laugh at the guys that try and bring that bring down your Derrick Henry. And people they just they just can't do it. But it's just a matter of can Derrick Henry stay upright and does the breakdown happen this year? If it happens this year, may God have mercy on your soul. If it doesn't, you're sitting real pretty. And again, over 300 carries, 1,500 yards rushing, double to touchdowns, locked and loaded. Well, there's another part of the co-own that I'm not surprised that you repressed in your memory. Is that Derrick Henry? That was the year that Derrick Henry sort of tore his ACL, but not really. Yeah, that he played. He played eight games that year, but still, in the eight games that he played that year, he had doubled the touchdowns. Yes, and you know that leads into the other factor of Derrick Henry is that who do you handcuff in this situation if you have Derrick Henry? Who do you handcuff with him? Um, Son Haskins, Tajay Spears, probably Tajay Spears. But honestly, honestly, none of them really are interesting to me. If I lose Derrick Henry, I lose Derrick Henry, and no one is going to replace him. If I had to pick one, it's Tajay Spears. But honestly, I don't think that it's not going to make much of a difference. It's been well established that Mike Vrabel doesn't give a fuck about your fantasy team. Yeah, that's true. 
So, and we learned that the hard way when Derrick Henry was injured la- the year that we had him. And we were like, Jeremy uh, McNichols. Nope. Deonta Foreman. Nope. Darrington Evans. Nope. <laughs> a mess. Yeah. A mess. It, it was a mess. Uh, weird year, honestly. Anyway, so that's that for Derrick Henry and the receivers. So I know that you talked a lot about DeAndre Hopkins and him signing with, with Tennessee Yeah, in that show that you did where you talked about DeAndre Hopkins signing mm-hmm. with the Titans. Is there anything that you didn't say in that show that you want to say now about the Titans receiving core? No. Okay. Not really. I mean, wide receiver two production from DeAndre Hopkins is not insane because his name is DeAndre Hopkins, and he is really, really good. But this is such a, such a run-first scheme that I just have a hard time imagining that the upside for DeAndre Hopkins is more than 85 catches. I really have a hard time seeing that. Now, could he be an 85 catch, over 1,000 yards, six, seven touchdowns guy because his name is DeAndre Hopkins? Sure, he can be. He can be. Do I think he's going to be? No. And which is why taking him in round six, I can't do that. I, I simply cannot do that. He's my wide receiver 26 in my in my ranks right now, and I'm out on DeAndre Hopkins. This was this was nuclear nightmare scenario. This this was Oppenheimer scenario. And it happened. It yeah, happened. This is- Probably the worst place he could have gone. This is the New England would have been brutal because Mac yeah. Jones is bad. At least but Ryan at least Tannehill the... might be able to get him the ball. Mac Jones, I would have zero faith that was going to happen. But, but can DeAndre Hopkins still be viable enough for fantasy? Sure. Do I believe he's going to be as week to week exciting as he was? No. Will the journey be pretty? Absolutely not. Will the destination be good? I have no idea which is why I am out on DeAndre Hopkins, but could be swayed according to price. Um, Traylon Burke. Or Traylon Burks. What, well, such I, a... I said Burks, didn't I? I no, thought I said well, Burks. I, I may have said Burke. Either way, you know what I meant. Traylon well, Burks. I was, no, I said like poor Traylon Burks. Like poor Traylon Burks. He, people oh, such oh! A, I thought I thought you said that I, that I said Traylon Burke. Oh, I I, I, I said Traylon Burks. Unless I said well, you, Burke, I have no idea. Well, you did, I've, but I've, oh, that's I not did. What I meant. Oh, okay, well, you know what I meant. Tra- that's not uh, what I, But that's Burke. not what I was going to say. Freudian slip. It happens. It does he's, happen. He, he's an outside top forty receiver that now now he's just not going to be getting enough enough production for me to really consider him. He was interesting as a, as a number one receiver. He is not interesting to me as number two receiver. Nope. Uh-uh. Sorry. Not happening. Next. Yeah, well, that's why I said poor Traylon Burks, because people had such high hopes for him, and DeAndre Hopkins came in and just just lit it all on fire. It's fucked. Yeah, it's fucked now. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, somebody that you do like in this Tennessee Titans offense, besides Derrick Henry, is their number one tight end. Not anymore. No, not anymore. Not anymore. Chico Conquo, I think, will be fine, but not as exciting as he was. Like I, I genuinely thought that he had top seven upside. Not anymore. 
there's not enough volume in this offense for me to think that, they, that they're going to be two prominent pass catchers and Derrick Henry that are going to be viable enough for fantasy. There's just not enough. So it's going to be weird. It, it's it's going to require DeAndre Hopkins potentially getting hurt or something happening for one of those younger guys to potentially come through. Is Chico Conco still a borderline top 12 guy? Yes, he is. But the upside is significantly capped now because of, of, of Hopkins being there. Yep. I, oh, the Titans. Once again, just a, just a mess. Just a, it sucks. Uh, it a sucks. Blob. Yeah, it really, really, really sucks. But yeah. Oh, well, what can you do? What can you do? Don't draft, don't draft a Titan unless Derek Henry and you're, and you're really into that. And well, you, and you a freak, you a freak and want and want to get, want to get into the Derrick Henry business, then. That's, it's a weird way of putting it, but I guess, sure. Listen, every, everyone has their fantasy kinks, Adam. That can, Everybody that, does. That means, that means two things. <laughs> it, it, yes, it does. <laughs> it, it did it does. That, I, okay. It does mean two things, yes, yes. That's, I hope that, I hope there aren't any kids listening. Some people, some people are into some risky, risky business when it comes when it comes to uh, when it comes to fantasy. Oh, hey! Reference to speaking of movies, look at this. Cinephile. Yep, not a big fan of Tom Cruise though. Um. Yeah, yeah, that's a fine take. That's kind a kind fine take. He's all right. He's all right. Overrated. Yeah, it's a little, a little overrated. All right. Let's. Here's what we can do. We can talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Sure. Um, we're just going through this dumpster fire of a division. And dumpster fire. Yes, the quarterback situation. Who's starting? Is it Ellinger? Is it Gardner Minshew? Is it Anthony Richardson? My ranks say it's Richardson. And I refuse to believe that it is not going to be Richardson, unless I am told otherwise, that it is not going to be Richardson. It's an open competition as of right now, but I find it very, very hard to believe that the Indianapolis Colts are not going to roll with Anthony Richardson. That would just be crazy to me if they they don't go ahead and do that, because Chris Ballard needs to keep his job. And they they need Anthony Richardson to work. Now, what I could say is if Anthony Richardson they view as too raw of an arm talent and they don't want to throw him out there right away, fine. Cool. But that would be really bad indictment on Anthony Richardson as a thrower that you draft him in the first round and you're not comfortable enough with him as an arm talent that you can't put him out there week one. Like that just sends the wrong message. Uh, it has to be Richardson that you're, that you're throwing out there. Week one has to be now Richardson elite upside with those legs. The dude can fly. He is an athlete, a specimen. He can fly. It's just the arm talent, which is why it is a downgrade on all the pass catchers. We'll talk about Michael Pittman and company in a minute. But Richardson should have enough 
to do with his legs where we're talking about Richardson potentially as a guy that you're drafting outside the top 12 right now that if at the end of the year we're talking about as a top 10 option. Why? Because the legs get him there. Yeah, I mean, if there's anybody that can do good things for Anthony Richardson, it's Shane Steichen. That's how you say his name. Yep, Shane Steichen. Yeah, because of his history in Philadelphia with another running quarterback with questionable arm talent. Yes. But Jalen Hurts 2.0 is why they brought him there. Right. And that works. But it's just a whole, it's a lot of, a lot of question marks on this team. Yeah, because you don't know what the quarterback the, the quarterback situation is like. Yeah, and then you know you have Jonathan Taylor, who we talked about a couple minutes ago, coming off the wor- one of the worst seasons of one a of number the one worst overall first first overall picks that we've had in a really long time that actually yeah. played. So discounting Le'Veon Bell, yes, it was bad. It it was it was bad. Um. What I will say is Jonathan Taylor is extremely, extremely boring. But if you could guarantee to me that the Colts offensive line is going to be better, the offense should be better with better quarterback play, that opens everything up for Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor has a major, major bounce back this year. I think he is over 1,000 yards. I think he's over double the touchdowns. And I'm not worried about the Anthony Richardson threat at the goal line to take some in himself. He'll definitely get some rushing touchdowns. I'm not saying that he won't, but I think there'll be enough touchdowns in this offense with how explosive it potentially can be if Richardson turns out all right, where there'll be enough for Richardson and for Jonathan Taylor to both get theirs. Yep. It's a lot of speculation, though, because Anthony Richardson is such a, I think he's such a raw prospect. He's very raw. No, he, he's very raw. That's one of the things, you know, with the with the uh, quarterback prospect show that Jake and I did way back when. We both said Anthony Richardson is extremely, extremely raw. But can he get the job done? Absolutely. Absolutely he can. Um, I'm just checking here my projections to see what I have Richardson down for in terms of rushing touchdowns compared to Jonathan Taylor. So Jonathan Taylor, I have down for, I believe I have him down for 10? Yes, I have Taylor down for 10, and I have Richardson down for 6. Got all these project quarterbacks need to send Josh Allen, like, royalty checks for giving him job for giving them jobs in the NFL. Because every team is like, I can fix him. Joe Douglas and Zach Wilson. I can fix him. I can fix him. And who was the only one in the Basement Talk podcast, Family of Podcasts, that was backing Josh Allen as a proper NFL quarterback? Well, I mean, like I said, the last time that you made this this claim, it wasn't, it was the required radio fantasy show. But who was the only one out of the staff members of the current Basement Talk podcast that it was you way back when that Josh Allen was going to be a fucking star? Me. We were, That's my guy, Josh Allen. All three of us were wrong. Were very not right about that draft. Well, except for Josh Allen. Well, yes, yes, because Donald was still my number one. Yeah. Well, we all had Donald, Donald was going still first. my number one, but Josh Allen was my number two. Well, anyway, like I was saying, all these Andy Richardson 
if he succeeds, he should send Josh Allen a royalty check every year. For <laughs> very different quarterbacks, though. Very, very, very different. Same mindset, though. In what way? You know, prospect who looks like a project coming out of college, not great arm talent, good runner. Oh, I disagree. I whoa, 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 I disagree. Josh Allen was a fantastic arm talent. Accuracy, at, accuracy, at accuracy. Not accurate. Yes. Not accuracy. accurate. Yes. Yes. Our, that, yeah. That's correct. That's what I meant. Not yes. accurate. Both not accurate. The team that drafts him, are like I see something in this guy, I can fix him. That's the, those are the similarities. Sure, sure. I think the difference though is people believe Anthony Richardson is going. Or that he'll be okay because he came from Florida, and well, oh, Florida Gator, SEC school. How bad could he be? Josh no, Allen because... it was. Oh, he's from Wyoming. It's not even an FBS team. Yes, it is. You, you you get my point. You they get my the point. Ma- they play in the Mountain West. Hey, listen, I live out I know, here now. I know. I know. I'm saying that people had no idea that Wyoming was an FBS team. No, I'm aware. But I'm saying, no. Well, Josh Allen had to, had to run before Anthony Richardson could sprint, so to speak. Sure. Okay. That that That's fair. That That is a fair point. I'll give you that. Because if the roles were reversed... And Anthony Richardson was coming out in 2018 out of Florida, still out of Florida. I don't know. I mean, I don't think teams would be as gung-ho about it. I do. I absolutely do. Size, speed, power just needs to work on the on the throwing side of it. But what you get with the arm, or sorry, what you get with the legs, it's game changer. All right. And I mean, you want to see all parts of his game develop because if he doesn't develop as a passer, then teams will try and take away his legs. He and then the, the, the great the great comparison for Anthony Richardson that I heard is he's Michael Vick without the arm tools yet. You give him the arm tools, he can be better than Vick. And listen. Everyone knows that's there's, no, a lot. there's no bigger Michael Vick fan than I. And that's not my comparison. That's just one that I've heard. But do I see the comp? Yes, I do. Well, yeah. Because the guy's huge. The guy, the guy is freaking enormous. And he's fast. But get the consistent arm talent down. I mean, he's only a one-year starter in Florida. He has very limited game time. As, as There's as a, a fine line between a great athlete and a great quarterback. Right, but can can he grow into that? Yes, absolutely he can. He has all the ta- all the talent to do so. But from a fantasy perspective, we've seen in the la- the last few years we have seen. Look, we look at Justin Fields last year. Justin Fields was not a very good passer last year. There was not a lot of passing going on the Chicago Bears offense. Yet Justin Fields was winning people games, winning people championships left, right, and center. Yeah. I'm not saying Anthony Richardson's going to be that right off the jump, but does he have the potential to do that? Yes, he does. He does. But you just have to keep that in mind when you're looking at the rest of the Colts, as we will talk about, or as we talked about with Jonathan Taylor, and as we will talk about now with Michael Pittman. Yeah, Michael Pittman is someone that I really don't want to draft. Um, 
at cost, I would love to get him below it. He's my wide receiver 29. If I look at the ADP, he's going in round eight. Wow, he's going. Wow. Actually, you know what? He's going close to start of round nine. That's excellent. That's really good, actually. And Michael Pittman is he's a young enough receiver where I can't you can't say that you're that you're out on Pittman. He's I mean, a guy ideally we, he'd be he, hitting his prime, but because he's 25, but he just hasn't had consistent quarterback play throughout right. his career. He should he should get it now. He's the number one option in, in Indianapolis. You hope Anthony Richardson can develop a solid enough rapport with Michael Pittman. And if they do that, Michael Pittman's going to be great. I think he's a guy that we could be talking about where we talk about, you know, this we redo a podcast in like three or four months from now. And we say, who are guys that we completely overlooked? Michael Pittman has a real chance to be one of those guys. And I'll have a few shares of him. I won't have a lot of shares, but I'll, ha- I'll have a few. I think he's well, great for your fantasy teams. You can get as a wide receiver four. I love that. Wide receiver three and yeah. a three receiver setup, I don't love as much. Wide receiver three and a two receiver setup, that's okay. But if you can get him as a wide receiver four, where you're or wide receiver three or a wide receiver four that you don't have to start every single week, that's awesome. Well, basically, if you're getting him in round nine, then that's like that's gravy. That's great. Even, even round eight. Like, let me just look, let me just look at my uh ranks and see where he is in my overalls. I pivot 68th overall. So in round seven. Yeah. I mean, at that point, yeah, you do as long as you don't have to start him every week, you know, you're not like stressed about it. Yep. That's it. Because if, if, if you're you drafting him as a starter, then you're going to be like agonizing, like, oh, Michael Pittman, please do something. But right. right. If you don't have to start him every single week, there's no you're, pressure. You're chilling. Yeah. There's no you're pressure. Chilling. It's great. Yep. And if so it works great. out, then it works out. And you could start him as your flex. Have fun, right? Right. And the upside, the upside is still is still rel- relatively big with Pittman because he's he's a very talented receiver. He's yeah. very 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 talented. But and let I me mean, last year he was a third round pick, and now we're talking about him in round eight, round eight, round nine. Like that's you know, that's mental to me. You might have sold me on him. I might I might look to target him in one of the uh, in one of the leagues that I'm in. Anyway, one of the two leagues that I'm in. Just because I'll, of I'll, the, have, I'll have a few shares with him in one of the 18 as of now. 18 leagues. I don't, who has the time? When you do it for a living and you're on podcasts talking about it all day, guess what? You have dual monitors for a reason. You talk about it and the side monitor sets of lineups. You do some waivers. It's just a lot. Sure. Sure. If you don't do it for a living. No, I know. I, I'm if aware. You, if, if you do it for a living. Very easy. If, very easy. If it's sense. all you do, then it's then it's easy. Yes, exactly. If, if it is all that you do, it's very easy. And it is well, all that I do. Anyway, any other receivers? They have uh, apparently, according to ESPN, they have Jets legend Rashad Perriman on their roster. Yeah, no, Rashad Perriman is a big, big fat no. Um, Alec Pierce is interesting. He's definitely a, l- a little interesting as. Uh, I was like a 14 team league flyer. Go Bearcats. Sure. Sure. He's interesting there. 
Isaiah McKenzie, no thank you. Uh, Josh Downs, even though I was a big fan of his, I just don't see how he gets really into the lineup uh, in year one. So it's really it's really Alec Pierce. Then outside of that, it's really nothing else. And then at tight end, it's still it's still uh, Mo Ali Cox and it's uh, Jelani Woods. All right. Well, that's easy. And I am not drafting either one of them. Yeah, I feel like the way you said it kind of goes without saying that you didn't that you wouldn't draft any of them. Uh-uh. Nope. Not drafting either one of them. All right. Next up, finally, a team where I'm pretty sure we're going to have nice things to say about every single position. Well, this would be very easy because we've talked about this team at nauseum. Yes. So there's not much else to really say about the Jaguars. Thank you. Are you sure God. I'm ready to fight you on Trevor Lawrence again. Thank God. And Christian Kirk we, we, again. We, we can go through we can go through this rather quickly. Thank good God. Yes. Well, Trevor Lawrence, he's fun. Upside is tremendous. Upside is tremendous. Expect a third year breakout from Trevor Lawrence. He's still ascending. Invested him with supreme confidence. Yep. Easy enough. Travis Etienne, Travis Etienne, I feel like he's the one guy that we haven't talked about as much out of this team. I don't love Etienne. I, I know that he, he it's, he's either you really love him or you really don't. And he's very meh to me. Like I look, I look at the Jaguars running backs and they drafted Tank Bigsby. They brought in Dearness Johnson. There's competition there for for ETN. I'm just getting a little a little worried that maybe they go with more running backs and they add more more chefs and they bring more chefs into that running back uh kitchen. And that kind of worries me a little bit with ETN that maybe the touchdown upside is a little capped. But even then, um let me just look at the projections here if the spreadsheet wants to work. Aha, there we go. He's probably about a 250, 260 touch guy. I don't really see 10 touchdown total upside with him, though. And that's really where my big gripe with him is, is I just don't see that immense upside, like with other running backs that are in his range, uh, like a Brees Hall, who I have major concerns about, about Brees Hall, but I still think he has significantly more upside than Travis Etienne does. Joe Mixon, who I am loving Joe Mixon. Oh, my God. Joe Mixon, 10 touchdown upside comfortably. Kenneth Walker, Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison is going in round five. What are we fucking doing in Still? the fantasy community? What? Still? Wake, wake, wake the fuck up. If Alexander <laughs> Madison's name was Dalvin Cook, he would be a top of the third round pick. What are we fucking doing? Yeah. Thank you for coming to the talk. Okay, Travis Etienne. Back to Travis Etienne. Yes, Why does thousand yard season have ever that, that huge upside that everyone else does? Because you have all these other weapons in the offense that have to get theirs. Your Christian Kirks, your Calvin Ridley's, your Zay Joneses, your Evan Ingram's. There are so many other pieces in this offense that I think are going to get theirs, and then you incorporate the fact that well, you could have Travis Etienne that gets sniped. On, on on some potential rushing touchdowns. I think if ETN is going to score those double touchdowns, those eight, nine rushing touchdowns, 
it's not going to be one or two yard touchdowns. We're talking 15, 20, and so on further back touchdown yard touchdowns that get Travis Etienne's that eight, nine, potentially further range. Travis Etienne's stat line looks like he was recorded. It looks like somebody else's stat line was transposed there by mistake because my perception of Travis Etienne and looking at his stats, I'm like, this doesn't seem right. A really quiet thousand yard season, you know, 1,125 yards, five touchdowns, only 35 catches for 316 yards and no touchdowns. I thought Travis Etienne was more of a receiving back than maybe it's just because I watched more highlights of him catch of him making great catches. But um, yeah, it's kind of crazy because I was about to say like, oh, Travis Etienne's only really worth in PPR. But like, is he at this the, point? The worrying, the worrying number with Travis Etienne is not even about the catches for me with him because I think the catches, you know, they kind of speak for themselves. So many weapons in this offense. He's not going to get so many catches. He'll be a 40-catch guy at most. The worrying number that I saw a couple weeks ago was he was fifth in the National Football League in 2022 with 23 carries inside the 10-yard line, and he only scored four touchdowns. Five. That's a huge problem. Oh, five, four in the red zone or four from the red zone? A four in the red zone, yes. Oh, okay. Yes, four in the red zone. He had, he had five, he had five uh, total for the season. Yes. Yes. That's a big problem. Four out of 22. Jeez. Four, four out of 23. 20, oh, four out of 23. That's brutal. That's almost one out of six. That's brutal. That's brutal. Those touchdown numbers, it, to me, it suggests those numbers are probably going to come up. Do I want to be the guy that's in on that and wants to go and find out? Not really. No, let that be somebody else's problem. Yep, I agree. I agree. I'm out. I'm out on ETN, but at cost, sure. Also, he lost three fumbles this year or last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had five. I actually, I actually have him above where the ADP is. That's interesting. ADP has him at thirty-three. I have him at twenty-seven. Yeah, and he was he was hurt for a little bit of last year as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he missed a whole, and he missed his entire rookie season, also. So, yep. I mean, that's yep. a factor as well that you have to consider. Correct. Not a lot of things in Travis Etienne's favor. I mean, you know, hopefully he's better this year, but the numbers, I'm not confident about that. I don't want to be the person, like you said, I don't want to be the person to kind of find out if Travis Etienne's going to be great. Yeah, I'd rather just relax and i'd rather let it be somebody else let's let let someone else figure that out i take that risk yep i agree all right receivers oh this is going to be fun and easy just listen to our last like three or four months of podcasts yeah (laughs) yeah i mean we really don't need to go into this all that much i could just break it down for you calvin ridley is way too expensive i won't be drafting him at his current cost Christian Kirk is an unbelievable value right now. I'd rather be taking the chance on Christian Kirk. Uh, Zay Jones is just a third receiver with a little bit of upside if something happens. Well, he has significant upside if something happens to either Kirk or or, or Ridley. But at the very least, in 12, 14 team leagues, he's a fine wide receiver four, wide receiver five. There you go. Easy enough. And then go back and choose any podcast that you want. 
because there's probably some question about Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, or anything involving the Jacksonville Jaguars in there. Yep. And then finally, Evan Ingram at tight end. The return of Calvin Ridley hurts him for sure, uh, but they gave him a, uh, they gave him a brand spanking new contract, so that suggests to me that they're going to definitely look to incorporate him uh, more. He found a home in Jacksonville for sure, and he's definitely worth the tight end investment. He won't cost you too much, but the ceiling is not as great as it was potentially a year ago because you have Calvin Ridley there. There's just too many mouths in this offense for me to confidently say that Evan Ingram is probably a 7-8 touchdown tight end. He probably is in like that 5-6 range at 8 to 8.50 yards, somewhere in there. Let me just see uh, the projections, and I'll tell you exactly where I have them. I'd be pretty cool if I get that number like exactly right. Uh, I have him down for seven for seven seven hundred and twenty five receiving yards, uh, sixty six catches, and four touchdowns. So not that seven eight number eight to eight fifty could be on the high end, and that could be again if something happens to uh, Kirk or Ridley. Yep. Well, that was fun. That was uh, very smooth, like we said it was. So yeah. Next week, or not next week, later this week, we will be back with the NFC South, a division that we just did not talk that we have not talked about. I've barely even talked about the NFC South, so that's yeah, going to be interesting. Yeah, I feel like we haven't talked about them at all. Yeah, basically, it's been like, oh, Bijan Robinson, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, stay tuned for that and thank you for listening to this episode of the Basic Talk Podcast Fantasy Show you can find all episodes wherever you get podcasts for my co-host at Brutzel I'm Adam Castor we'll talk to you next time bye bye